Welcome to Black Earth Podcast. Black Earth is an interview podcast that's celebrating nature and the incredible black women in the environmental movement. In this episode, I speak with Ife Kilimanjaro about her work integrating spirituality, healing and environmental activism. Throughout our conversation, we explore the values necessary to healing our relationship with nature. And Ife shares some reflection questions to help you clarify your purpose in the environmental movement. Yes, hello and greetings. Um, I'm, let me see. My name is Ife Afriye. Kilimanjaro, and I am a grandmother. I'm a mother, a land uh, steward, which doesn't quite capture, I think, my relationship to this land on which I live, but a member of this community here uh, on this land. I'm also um, someone who has lived and worked in a number of different places, but the running themes that have kind of been present in all of them is a deep uh, grounding in spirituality, a uh, commitment to moving with integrity and um, just trying to live in the best way uh, on this planet. <laughs> um, let me see. Currently, I'm co-executive director of Soul Fire Farm Institute, which is a, a farm community in upstate New York. And um, I've also been involved in climate work here in the United States and environmental justice work. Um, years ago, I was in the field of education where I worked at a, a college and as both an educator and administrator. And, um, and then I also worked as a principal in a school uh, in Detroit, Michigan. So there have been a number of places that I've, I've been and experiences that I've accumulated. And I feel incredibly honored to be in conversation with you today, <laughs> Mary, Sister Mary, and um, and to be, I think, connected with the community of which you're a part uh, by this conversation. So thank you so much for the invitation. I hope that was uh, an okay introduction, and I I think that as we continue to talk more, we'll. We'll move. I, oh, one one thing that I would be remiss in um, if I were to not say, because this is just such a core of who I am, is I am what we call an akomfo in the spiritual tradition of akom. Um, our head shrines uh, come from the eastern region in Ghana, and um, and although I'm born and raised in this country of the United States. And I imagine that many of your listeners may be uh, folks who are first generation or more um, from the various countries within the continent of, of Africa. There have been, I, I, I think it's important to name that for me, um, is this connectedness to um, ancestry and to the spirituality that comes from 
my ancestors. And then to also um, recognize and acknowledge that there are, are many who have been, um, who are in the diaspora, I imagine, including some of those who are part of the community of listeners that you have, um, whose, whose uh, spiritual uh, groundedness and home still lies within the families uh, and in the communities and in the lands of origin. And so um, no matter how many generations pass, sometimes those ancestral spirits will reach out across the waters, will reach across land masses and, and claim their children and remind them um, where we've come from and to never forget, to always remember and to um, and to do that, to bring that knowledge and that understanding and that connection within our lived realities, our lives and, and communities that we're a part of today. Thank you, Ife. Um, I'm very grateful for that. Um, so how would you describe your relationship with nature? Mm -hmm. That's a big question. I, um, I would say, so it, in, in a number of different ways. One is I'm uh, a member of a community of, of, of nature. So, so I see myself, regard myself as, um, a sibling, a relative of the plant beings that are part of this community that I, I live in. And even when I travel, I, um, still move with that same kind of understanding that we are in relationship with one another, that um, I, as a member of Homo sapiens sapiens, the species of hominids that uh, that left <laughs> Sub-Saharan um, Africa and traveled and populated the world, that um, that I am one of many millions of species on this planet, and um, and I. I hold that within my body and within my my spirit. So that's so one way is I'm I'm relating as relative um, with nature, and in other ways too, I recognize that as a member of the human species, the Homo sapiens sapiens, that um, there has been a, a relationship with nature that has become out of balance, and that we have established ourselves uh, within a hierarchical relationship of, of nature um, such that, you know, within our, within cultures and in the core of our beings, you know, many humans, um, particularly in modern society, um, believe that we are better than, higher than, and therefore nature is at the service of us in ways that has become out of alignment with uh, what I think is an ideal kind of relationship, which is reciprocal, we're regenerative, where we're not taking more from the environment that then can be replenished by the environment, where we're not taking more than what we can also give back. And, um, and so 
you know, when you ask what's my relationship with nature, I, I think about how there's a lot in my life to constantly interrogate because of the the habits that I have accumulated in this life and the the practices, cultural and otherwise, that have passed down to me from generations before. And that take into account the fact that in this moment in history, so much of how we can even live in this world, but we as humans requires the use of, of products that are harmful uh, to the environment. Um, and so I, 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 I think about that a lot. Um, I, I bring it into my relationship and I try to be as just as I can when I'm, you know, in the, in the practices that I have so that I um, continue to work against like dismantle my own, you know, <laughs> harmful practices while I also um, am valuing and recognizing the beauty and the significance of the relationship that I have with the environment around me. And, you know, I also recognize that, that there are, you know, in nature, there are, are dynamics that, um, you know, involve life and death, <laughs> cycles of life and death, which are real. So I'm not saying that as a, a human, there's, um, you know, a way that we have to be timid in our relationship with nature or like not um, take a, a, a tree down um because you to avoid uh, to be able to, to avoid creating space to be able to feed our, ourselves. Um, but there are ways to do that, that honor the life of, of the tree, that honor the land, that honor the sacred relationship that we have with the land. Um, and uh, and then something else that's going through my mind, too. I know this is a long answer, but I think about how, you know, we have chickens, my uh, partner and I have chickens and um, and we've lost several to foxes and to hawks and, and other other things. And as challenging as it is to witness or to, because I, I actually did witness in one case this happened, but to witness or to know that these things happen to our chickens, um, the fox that came in and, and killed several and took one away had a family that he was taken care of. And, um, and so it was a hard lesson to really see the, the relationship there, to really appreciate the cycle of, of, of life and death as it involved one of my own, my own, you know, one of the chickens that I'm, I'm caring for that I have, but um, it was such a, a valuable reminder of, of, um, of just, of, of cycles of life and death, of earth, of nature, that, you know, there are these relationships that help to keep balance. And it's it's us that have thrown things wildly out of balance because of how we have uh, oriented ourselves uh, in relation to the environment around us. And I say we mindfully um, because not all people on the planet right now are are initiators of the levels of destruction that we've 
that we see happening now and, and that have happened for several generations. Um, but I do, I, I do use we in the big sense because within that we includes the initiators, perpetuators, and people who benefit uh, from destruction. And, and also recognize that we too, even though I've born into things that were inherited and my, my people have not um, been the beneficiaries of the industries of destruction. Um, I've, inherited and I continue to interrogate the practices that are destructive uh, in the environment. And I want to, I don't want to um, move through life, not recognizing the ways that I could do something um, about the, you know, what's going on in the world and in and, and relationship to the environment. Um, and, and so it's important to sort of name that. So I, I use the we broadly, mindfully, and recognizing that there are different uh, varying degrees of, of uh, responsibility, culpability within that. Um, but the wind and the warrior formed, um, goodness. It, so it was around 2015, uh, 2014 that, um, I began feeling on my, on my spirit that I, I needed to do something, um, about what I was seeing within many of the activist spaces, um, and that was because I'd been working, doing quite a bit in environmental and climate justice, um, within, within this country and there, what, some of the beautiful things that were happening is that in these spaces, um, there were black folks, there were indigenous folks, there were Latinx folks, um, there were, um, people from Asian descent, um, people from a variety of different backgrounds who are in these spaces. And they were calling for um, more representation of their ancestors within these spaces. They wanted to see more of themselves within these spaces. And the places that were organized by people of color often, um, or I, I would say slowly, but increasingly began to have to create earth altars, ancestral altars within our convenings where we're talking about um, what is going on within the respective communities, where we're um, um, analyzing together the um, problems that and the issues that we're seeing, the crises in society that we're seeing. Um, and all of that is sort of like our an ancestral altar is is has been created to bear witness and to kind of hold all of what we're, we were doing together. And, and I was seeing that little, 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 um, about 10 years ago or so, but increasingly, and it really, I really felt something sit on my spirit. Like we, we need to create spaces where, where black women in particular, but where women of color could really come together and be who, well, one who were activists, activist leaders, folks within movement spaces, and who 
and spiritualists. So people who were hearing their uh, calls of their ancestors, ancestors who were stepping up and who were involved in um, more indigenous and earth-based spiritual practices. Um, we wanted to bring those folks together to be able to move through um, deep, meaningful conversations, move through healing, move through ritual and ceremony together, and um, and to to kind of lift also some of the heaviness that we saw uh, within the the movement spaces. Um, and by the heaviness, I mean that that a lot of times there's a tremendous amount of harm that was coming up um, in the ways that people were interacting with one another. There was, um, sh there was a, you know, any, everything that you would see in broad society around um, different forms of violence, um, the way that folks talk to one another, disregarding, you know, not listening to folks, like all of these things also showed up within movement dynamics. And, um, and so we needed to create this space of spiritualists, of activists, to, to be able to um, be in safe space and community with one another, to share, to learn, and to move through ritual, ceremony, and healing together. Um, and so that's that's what um, the, the reason why, we, or that's the call, I think, is I, I know I felt it in my spirit, and I reached out to a lot of folks to see who would like to um, join me in this um, informing something to, to be able to create this space. Uh, the formation exactly, I didn't quite know. Um, and I must have reached out to about 30 close friends. And of those, um, there were a few, several who said, I'd love to, but I, I don't have the capacity. I'm busy right now. I can't really do it, but I support wholeheartedly. And I'd love to, you know, touch base at some point later. But um but the 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 three folks who step forward and say let's do this are the ones who we're still working with today, and these are the folks who, as it turned out, we all came out of the same spiritual tradition. Um, we had been in ceremony and practice with one another for uh, many years before. We were friends, <laughs> um, and so we began this journey together. Um, and have continued. And so then what this work has looked like is started out with an annual gathering. We, we first called it a retreat. But then um, after the first gathering in, in 2016, we, we, where we started out in, in Mississippi, it was beautiful, powerful. There was a lot of um, um, uh, body work, ritual work. We made things together. We created art. We talked, laughed ate together. We danced in the rain together. I mean, it was just really beautiful and powerful. Um, and then after that first year, we were like, okay, this is not quite a retreat uh, because that, that it, within our minds, we're thinking folks, retreat means like rest, rest restoration. But um, but we're really actively working on, on things together. We're working on good things, powerful things, Healing is not easy. Uh, um, actively, you know, moving through exercises that have us communicating and connecting with our spirit guides and ancestors or with the, the essence of a flower or a plant, depending on whatever the activity was, um, is not easy. That takes work. We And so we, we kind of re, 
uh, we talked, we started to talk about it differently, that these are, these are our gatherings of when the wind and the warrior gatherings. And, uh, and within that, we were just going to do the great things together that we were doing. So we've, so we, we've continued, um, to have annual gatherings, although we've been on hiatus for a few years because of COVID. Um, but we're resuming this year. Um, but in the meantime, we have also held workshops. We've been invited by different um, uh, organizations that are holding gatherings, membership gatherings or otherwise, to come and um, and do uh, ceremony work or to set up altars within the spaces to, to work one-on-one with folks. Um, because there has been a, an increased uh, recognition and practice of having, <coughs> excuse me, healing spaces within movement gatherings. And so we've been invited to support some of those spaces. <coughs> excuse me. Um, we work a lot with, uh, there's a cadre of young folks that we helped to um, to remember some of these practices. And, um, and they've taking them to their communities and are, are doing them within their communities. So, and this year we're really excited because we received some funding to uh, start a training uh, cohort. So we're going to begin to, because the idea is not to have us centered as healers and practitioners and, and so forth, but it's really, you know, can, what can we do to, to help grow the, the folks um, who are um, actually holding these, these um this these skills and embodying the kind of connections um and not that we're teaching those connections people come with them but kind of need a bit of structure in their learning and so we're we're going to be um starting to to um move people through a training process uh and so that will launch this year and we're really excited about about that so those are some of the things that we've done um there are more. We stay pretty busy, but we. But I'll just pause right there to see. I hope that all of that made sense. Um, I tried to sort of run through the order of things. No, thank you, thank you so much for sharing. And um, as you were speaking about, you know, the the work of uh, uh, supporting others in in integrating uh, the spiritual perspectives and the ancestral practices into activism work. Uh, I was also thinking about, uh, uh, we had a black eco-feminist summit last year in the UK. Mm. And at the beginning, uh, um, I facilitated a, a ritual to honor our ancestors Mm. Um, who've come before us and have really paved the way for us in this work of of earth care. Um, yes. Yeah, and and throughout this podcast as well, I've really heard so many of our speakers honouring ancestors, honouring other people in the movement, other collectives, and it's just so organic and natural way of of being cognizant of the fact that we're not heroes in this story. We're we're members of something much bigger, and uh, it's really an honor to to be part of uh, receiving what our ancestors gave us, and at the same time becoming ancestors of of the beings that are coming are coming in the future. So um, mm-hmm. this is something that I feel is 
I don't think it's unique to the way black folk enter this work, but I've noticed that it's it's very heightened in in the way we we think about earth care and our contributions to healing our relationship with earth. It's very much um, centered on the collective as opposed to the individual. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we can uh, celebrate as as a gift uh, that we can we can give to, uh, as you mentioned, um, making the you know facilitating an environmental movement that is uh, healing and nurturing and inclusive of of people, all people. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to share that as you were speaking, it it brought back the 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 summit that we had, as well as the conversations that uh, we've had in this podcast so far. Um, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm not surprised. And thank you for sharing that. And I, I say that I'm not surprised because I really, there's something about this moment. Well, I'm saying there's something about this moment, but it, somebody could perhaps say the same thing within each moment. Um but there are so many people that I've um, seen, it's not just people, but within like environmental and climate movements, there are more folks who are more openly talking about um, ancestors, um, inviting the presence in our work, um, recognizing the lands that we're on when we're um, talking and, or before opening uh, a ceremony or an event. Um, this is happening much more. And I don't know how, um, what it will do to transform relationship with the earth, but big change starts somewhere. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, our ancestors, as an example, don't become living beings within our lives unless we first begin to recognize them or we first begin to acknowledge the possibility of their existence, you know, and then we begin to call their names or we call the um, proxies of their names if we don't know who they are. Uh, And so, you know, everything starts with something and then it, it builds and it grows. So, yeah, I've been seeing this more and more within the, the places and and spaces, the environments that I've been a part of. There's, there's clearly work for us as individuals and members of community to do. There are ways that we can um, transform and should tra- transform such that our relationships with the natural world, with one another, are um, reciprocal, regenerative, are um, in greater balance with one another and, and so forth. And there's also a responsibility for the ruling race, class, gender, generation, ethnicity 
to, there's a responsibility that they they have as well. Because, you know, we can, as um, people who, for example, um, so there's so tremendous power in the masses of the world. And, 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 you know, were we to all kind of move in this direction and, and adopt these, we can definitely <laughs> topple some unjust systems. And there are folks at the helm of these industries that are folks are within this ruling race, class, gender, ethnicity, culture, generation who um, th- that also has to transform. And I don't know that um, that transformation can happen without them, um, without the power dynamic changing. And it should change um, because there, there's a tremendous amount of exploitation and destruction that is that it, uh, results from the decisions of these um, corporate rulers uh, and, and that, that are destructive to, to families and to communities and to the environment. Um, so I wanted to say that, you know, we can, um, I, I, there, I want to draw out this, this nuance here, or, or maybe name that there's, there's what we can all do and what we should all be doing. And that, that there's still folks who are in power, who are making decisions that are harmful and destructive that we're all responding to. And so that has also got to change. Um, white folks have to face their racism in order for, for us to move into, (laughs) you know, this world that we want to create. If, if, if they don't, if we don't, you know, uproot the injustices that lie within our own hearts and spirits, then what we bring to a new world is going to be the very same set of dynamics, you know? We talk about a new world. So this, when the the saying um, "be the change you want to see in the world," that is so powerful on so many levels, um, because we actually have to transform ourselves in the process of transforming the world, so that we don't create, recreate uh, a world that we may have, um, you know, do more, have more sustainable farming practices, but where. Um, um, black, dark-skinned people around the world are still under the feet of the white-skinned people of the world. So, so we have to uproot everything that makes that okay. Now, going back to your question, <laughs> so, so I think about that when these reports come out, they're like, we should do this. Yes, we should. And we have to recognize their power dynamics. They're this. Um, but to get back to your question about are there other values I say yes. Yeah, something that's been on my mind quite a bit, and I, I interrogated a bit in this book, "Remembering Purpose," and that is um, this notion of hierarchy. So, and this is one that is like it, it feels like it's a really big uh, thing to to dig into, because for thousands of years we've lived, humans, civilizations have lived in hierarchical relationship with one another. So when we look back in the past, we say, oh, it's a good thing, or we we, we look favorably upon um, rulers um, and ruling classes, like, oh, this, we, we, were, we were kings and queens. But what what is, uh, 
that people kind of hold these hierarchical roles, it means that there are many, many, many who are at the service of, um, and, and often not by choice. And there were other ways of living in society and in relationship, not living in society, but living in relationship to one another that were much more egalitarian and just collective, cooperative, where the lives of every single person were um, as valuable as all of the other lives. And I think when we have this notion of hierarchy in our hearts and in our spirits and in our ideas as acceptable, then it's possible to see oneself as more than, as better than, as above others, both of the same species or of other species. And so I think that this is a really, this is a fundamental um, embodied belief practice way of being in the world that needs to be, I would argue, needs to be really uprooted. Um, And so then the values for me that reflect that are um, cooperation, democracy, true democracy, reciprocity, um, care. And, um, and so I'll, I'll just end with that. I, I, but I needed, I I don't feel like I could have said that without acknowledging the fact that there's, you know, and we see in history, many examples where, where, um, people in power, for example, will tell black folks, you need to be peaceful and that's how you can get through this. And it's just like, no, that's not the answer. Um, there are other answers, uh, including how about you all be peaceful? How about we dismantle these hierarchies and these systems of destruction and exploitation? How about we do that? And then we can, um, and in the process of that, we can transform together. So yeah, I'll just end with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, Ife, and for naming the the fact that uh, in order for us to to partake in true transformation as a collective, uh, everyone has to do the work. Um, it's it's not just, you know, let's have justice and unity and everything will be okay. It's actually, you know, we need to uh bear witness to name and to address the current injustice and current power dynamics that are upholding all the harms that are being done to earth. On the topic of remembering purpose, um, I know there are many of our listeners who tune in to our conversations um, in part because they are um, discerning uh, what their, their contribution to healing our relationship with Earth might be. Um, and I, I truly believe that everyone has a unique set of gifts and talents to which they can contribute to this collective work that we're all trying to, well, <laughs> most of us are trying to do <laughs> in terms of healing our relationship with with nature. Um, and so 
Are there some guiding questions that you can you can share with our listeners um, in terms of helping them um, discern their unique uh, contributions or life path in this this work of healing our relationship with nature? So around this question of of looking back, um, looking back to learn not to stay in the past. I think some questions that I would like to invite folks to consider, um, including myself, uh, because it's it's some of these questions we it's important to ask throughout life to sort of check in. Um, what experiences or encounters taught you something about yourself, about your life, and or about your life purpose? What are the recurring themes and lessons in your life? And what do they mean to you? So when we look back, sometimes we can see, or even if you were to still yourself for a moment and think, oh, I've, I know that I keep, uh, the universe keeps showing me that I have this issue or, you know, like I, like these recurring things. I know that, for example, for me, patience is a, a thing. So I'm always, I'm often faced with situations that require me to, or test me around my, my patience. And, and looking back on my life, I, I, I see where there are experiences that I've had that like, have let me know that this is happening enough to where this, I, I can see that this is a recurring theme. I see this is one of the things that I have come to work on in my life is patience <laughs> is, is getting, is better, is getting better, um, is growing my patience. And so, um, so that's an example of, you know, when I think about at least this question or that's what's kind of coming, inspiring the asking of the question, um, what are some of the re- Recurring themes and lessons in your life, because I think if you look back, there may be some patterns. Um, and what do they say about what you've come to work on? What are those? What do they mean to you? What's your work to do around them? Has that work changed over time? Uh, in the book, I talk about them as uh, teachers or classrooms. They the classrooms of learning, and sometimes we have to go back to that old classroom. And retake the lessons because we didn't get them. <laughs> we didn't listen. We were hard-headed or, or something, you know. Um, and I'll just share a couple more questions with you. Um, when you think about ancestral lineages and, and kind of what our role is, what your, what each person's um, who's listening role is within their family lineage. Um, blood or chosen, um, because sometimes our um, the ancestors or the creator puts us in families that are uh, not of our blood origin, but who are nonetheless um, have something to pass down to us, um, whose ancestors have something to give us. Um, and so have you noticed any thought forms or practices being passed from one generation to the next? What might healing across generation look like for you? So this question of thought forms or practices being passed from one generation to the next, sometimes we pass things on 
or we inherit things that are are beautiful and great lessons around um, our care, how we take care of ourselves, um, what we, the ways that we cook, the ways that we handle frustration or joy. Um, and sometimes we inherit things that are harmful. Um, sometimes they're within, at least I can't speak to for everyone, but being beat um, uh, in response to me doing something that I shouldn't have done. Um, I, I think, and my mom being beat, and so she's passing, a, a, she had passed down this practice of abuse. And, you know, we used to say, well, that's how we, how we do it. How else does a child learn but by physical abuse? But we don't have to learn that way. And so for me, this was, um, as I'm thinking about what do I pass to my daughter and what do I pass, and what does she pass to her daughter? You know, I think about this as an example. There are others that are perhaps more elegant and less controversial because this one I imagine is going to bring up a lot. But um, what are we passing down? You know, what do we inherit and what are we passing down? And um, and what healing is necessary to from one generation to the next? What practices need to shift so that what gets passed down is... Um, more elevated and um, on a higher plane than than what we've inherited. And so that, that there's an invitation to ask that question or to respond to that question. Um, yeah, so those are a few questions that I'll, I'll share. And I hope, you know, my in bringing that up as an example, it's certainly not to offend anyone or challenge anyone's beliefs or, or ways of being. Um, just sort of recognizing within my own life and my own lineage, um, the noticing the things that I want to be able to really interrogate and not be afraid of it and, um, and address from one generation to the next. Thank you so much for sharing those questions with us, Ife. And um, I know, you know, within, within the communities that I'm part of, uh as black folks we can we can celebrate the the ancestral practices that have been passed on to us in terms of earth care which is expressed in a myriad of ways that we live uh, and we can also um honor and embrace some of the other patterns that we've inherited which um which can end with us Let's, let's put it that way, which can end with us. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. it's wise and it's loving to hold both um, and, ex and embrace both, you know, we, by, by facing the realities or the truths of where we are, it, it can liberate us to, to make different choices going forward. Um, That's right. So beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> you are far, <laughs> you are an incredibly elegant a speaker and uh, synthesizer of information. Thank you so much for 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 saying it in that way. Thank you. That's what I meant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. No. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you know, this is this is the essence of of Black Earth Podcast. You know, it's where we're trying to communicate that uh, your 
your place in this work of earth care starts with where you are. Mm-hmm. And it's being very aware that where we are isn't always, you know, you know, pretty and beautiful. It can be in some really dark and horrible places, but it's it's communicating that the your no matter your life story, no matter where you're from, there is a place for you here in this work. Mm-hmm. And in, right. in caring for earth, you know, we hope that it's also healing and liberating for, for you in the way that it needs to be. So um, that's right. Yeah, thank you for those guiding questions. I'm I'm very grateful. Um, mm-hmm. Ife, how can we support your work going forward? Um, I know our listeners would be keen to connect with you going forward. Thank you so much for, for asking that. So I do have a website, www.medunefer.com. And uh, so I invite folks to visit. I do my best to keep it updated. <laughs> and that said, I'm, I'm still working uh, quite a bit. So so sometimes I'm a little bit slower than other times, but uh, that's a place to get updated on information. And I'll share where you where people can get the book. Um, I'd say perhaps the most cost-effective way for folks who are living outside of the United States to access Remembering Purpose would be the electronic version of it. Um, And you can get that from a variety of of sellers. uh, And and some of the ones who distribute internationally are are on the website as well. Uh, There's a Remembering Purpose page on the website. So I invite you to take a, a look at that. I also have an Instagram um, that's Metanefer. Uh, so invite folks to follow that uh, Instagram page and uh, and I, I, I make updates there. I do it more often on on, Met, on the Instagram. Uh, so yeah, so those are so those are a couple of ways that folks can support and and stay tuned to what's happening. Um, and I guess just really fundamentally, if there's anything in this conversation that has spoken to um, anyone who's listening, I invite them to to pick up a copy of the book and let me know what you think about it too. There are there's some a variety of themes that are are tough, and I I know that they come from my position as a, a, a black woman born and raised in the United States, um, who. And so there's a there are, are different cultural elements I think, um, and there are many that we share, uh, and I would love to hear what what folks are resonating with, um, and where folks are are saying oh, this not doesn't quite resonate, and it's okay. Um, the bottom line is, are you moving forward in your life, and that's that's so important. for joining us in today's episode we'd love to hear your thoughts and you can connect with us on instagram linkedin and tiktok at black earth podcast make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast see you in the next episode